This is Women Behind Wool, a podcast introducing you to the female face of the Australian wool industry. Today's guest is, I'd have to describe her as a bit of a bombshell, and she uses her personality and her profile so well to tell the world about wool and the people that grow it. She's infectious and exciting, and I think of her a little bit like a really good glass of bubbly champagne. Pen, you really wanted to get this guest on. Who is it and why? Yeah, our guest is Katrina Roundtree, and um, I first met Katrina... Um, A couple of years ago at a a sheep show in Ballarat, I was there um, exhibiting sheep and Katrina was asking me questions with the same amount of enthusiasm and interest as if she was interviewing one of her far more exciting guests about a far more exciting topic on Getaway. And a couple of years later, I met Katrina again when she was... um, working on a collaboration of a wool clothing line and again um, the interest and enthusiasm that she spoke about wool and asked questions just didn't waver. Every time I talk to Katrina I've never seen someone that doesn't have a background in the wool industry but has a genuine love for the fibre and, um, and a genuine interest in it and she's so good at talking about it and so infectious so I really wanted to get her on today so that we could kind of find out the backstory about what it was that um, made her fall in love with wool and um, what she's doing within the wool industry now. Well a lot of people I feel would like me to discredit my my city childhood because of where I live now because people have such an idealised view of living on a farm. However, I feel the need to always defend the the beautiful area that I, I grew up. I would like to add respectfully that my dad is from the, the black soil Liverpool in Corindai. Uh, my cousins are in Walgut. I'm sure that... that uh, that they'll all be um, listening to this. But but my father uh, was a country boy and, and he fell in love with this girl from the North Shore, moved there and and thought, well, this is where I'll raise my family. And, and two of his now four children are back farming, one of them quite close to you, so I do know where, where you are. So there must have been something in the DNA. However, where I grew up on the North Shore, I feel like I had the very best of both worlds. We lived on the edge of this beautiful bushland area, 20 minutes from what I would say are some of the greatest beaches in the world and I've been to a few beaches. <laughs> and then, of course, I was 20 minutes from the city. So I had this really, I suppose, a, a fabulous dichotomy growing up where I had um, this, this beautiful family life. But I, I also went to my first Mardi Gras at 14. Um, I, I'm, uh, I, I've walked those streets of King's Cross <laughs> as a young teen so in a sense, um, I kind of got the wildness out of me by the time I, I was able to establish my career uh, on camera, which, which is a good thing because, um, you know, a lot of people move to the city and, and they can't cope. They can't cope. But I had this incredible support system around me. Um, I only really left uh, my family home once I got married 
Um, so I'm, I'm very proud of where I grew up. I, I am the biggest advocate for Sydney and, and yet you never get to choose where Cupid's arrow will strike. Mm. And I accidentally fell in love with a hot farmer <laughs> from uh, country Victoria and um, uh, I, I wish I could have fallen in love with the boy next door, but he was a grumpy old man and so that was never going to happen. And so, yeah, I, I never envisioned this life for myself. As your father grew up in rural, like Western New South Wales, was everything Corinda. <laughs> yep. was everything that he did through the prism of the rural upbringing that he had? Oh my gosh, uh, we could do a whole podcast on all the funny things that um, that my dad my dad did, which would constantly constantly lead me to saying, "You can take the boy out of the country, but you can't take the country out of the boy." What I am possibly most proud of is my father was the ultimate gentleman. He would never let you walk on the curbside of of the street. Um, he was very traditional in regards to with his three daughters. I have to say he was very strict with how I liked to dress. Um, and, and that actually... These things held me in great stead for when I would go on to work for Mr Packer, who... Um, was strangely, um, he had those same very traditional values, which I don't think he's, he's that well known for, but uh, it, it fit in beautifully with my professional life. But I was just saying to my husband this morning, my dad was firstly my greatest cheerleader, but also he was always, give it a go. Why not? What do you got to lose? You know, there were some people who were so fearful of life in general. And my dad uh, there, there were, were there were things that, you know, I was asked to to would I would I host What's Up Doc on Saturday mornings, and I was like, oh, Dad, you know, I'm going to go on and do 60 minutes. I don't know if this is right. Give it a go. What do you <laughs> have to lose? Why not? And that that job led me to um, the wonderful opportunities that I I have now. So this incredible opportunistic can do spirit. Um, which combined with um, just the most beautiful uh, gentleman-like uh, qualities, yeah, that I, I treasure to this day. You were working for Getaway when you met your husband. How did you guys meet? Well, I could tell you a half-hour story and my husband could tell you in 30 seconds. However, um, this will not surprise anybody listening, but my best friend and I, we were always in trouble for talking at school. And um, she was shipped off to boarding school in Victoria and uh, and absolutely loved her life in Victoria. And, and we stayed friends and years down the track, she called me and she said, Katrina, I have met the one. He's a farmer from Ararat and his friend, James is having a birthday party for him. It's going to be a country party. So I want you to come along to the party. And if you like him, then that'll that'll give me the family approval. Because if you like him, all the family will like him. So come down, let me know what you think. And so I turned up to it was it was another family property of James's that was a cattle farm. And I turned up to this cattle farm in all white, in <laughs> blue suede. Manalo Blahnik mules. My husband thinks that 
mules, he's got a different idea of mule zing. (laughs) To me, mules are shoes. And out onto the veranda of of this lovely country homestead, um, walked out this guy that had dirt across his face. His hair was all over the shop. And I'm from Sydney where even the straight guys wear pink and exfoliate. And I had never seen um, such a manly man. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like that before and I don't think he'd ever seen somebody so clean and we just looked at each other and it was lust at first sight and I just nudged my friend and I went oh my god I approve and she said that's the friend that's 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 the friend that's not him and I said well I really approve <laughs> so we we were actually both dating other people at the time but the the wonderful thing that I realized after meeting this fellow, this lovely boy, is that, you know what, I'm not really sure about the person that I'm seeing. There are great guys still out there. I don't have to settle for second best. And and we we all gave the approval to our friends, great couple. So by the time we got to the engagement party five months later, both of us were single and that was it. But, of course, I thought this is just going to be a fling. You know, as we were living in different states, this is never going to work. I was traveling the world and he lived on a farm. He was a farmer. You can't pick up a farm and, and move. Our worlds were so dramatically different. However, the end of the story is that long-distance relationships can come to a positive outcome. They do, you know, they can come to fruition as long as certainly one person compromises. And I'm not sure if you can relate to this, but... That was me. <laughs> but you've been that was able, me. We did actually break up for a year. You've managed, you've still managed a wonderful career having to go between well, I didn't, the two. Probably um, a, a great boss who said to me, because I didn't want to get married and I didn't want to move because I thought I, I found love but I'm going to kill my career. And my boss said to me, Katrina, I don't care where you live as long as you can get to an airport. As long as you get to an airport, that's fine. And and sure enough, there was a, a little regional airport called Avalon Airport um, that had just had Lindsay Fox take on the 99-year lease. And so Avalon is, is now, um, well, it's actually an international airport. So that was really a great boss. That was really the making of me. And being at one with the concept that um, uh, th- that you can work from anywhere, and it's just interesting to talk about that now because it's what you are doing with this podcast so beautifully. It's what so many people are doing around the world. You just get your head around the technology and you make it happen. Um, in regards to uh, my voiceovers, it used to take me. It probably used to be a day um, if I had to do voiceovers for TV or radio or whatever. I used to have to travel into the city. Um, obviously, I'm a talker. I, I would it just would take me hours. I do I do the voiceovers and come back home again. Well, I, I had a millennial teach me how to do Garage Band uh, on my computer, and I now I'll look. I'll just tell you what I do. So I now do all all the voiceovers from home, but I tell everybody I have a studio at home, which really impresses people. But between you and I, it's actually the pantry. And I literally open up the cupboard and I move the Vegemite to the side 
and I, I, I snuggle into the pantry and I, I will do, vo- I do voices every day. Um, you want a voiceover done? Great. One line, done. Boom. Oh, God, you're amazing, Katrina. You're amazing. And then sometimes I might move the peanut butter as well. And yeah. I go, how does that sound? They go, it's better. It's a good one. Good one. Yeah. <laughs> head to head with the capers. That's right. That's right. <laughs> how good. I thank God for, you know, yep. It's just revolutionized the way that we do things. And geez, your boss was way ahead of his time. I love to hear that. He's now the head of maths, so we love him just that little bit more. Mm, wow. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, a great guy, a really fantastic guy that um, no one, his name's John Walsh, and no one will no one will ever sing his praises because he's behind the scenes, but he, in his spare time, writes country music. He's won, you know, Golden Guitar Awards. Um, many people will know the McClymonts. He's obsessed with them, and, and we've got one of the girls on the show as a guest reporter. So, you know, all, all praise to um, creative thinkers. Yeah. So, Katrina, what is it that you love about wool? Well, in a sense, I love absolutely every element. I, I moved, uh, I married a wool grower and I, I moved to this, this beautiful historic uh, sheep station. And so in my mind, everything is a Tom Roberts painting. Everything is romantic. Everything is fascinating. Everything is beautiful. You add the element that Australia produces the finest wool on the planet, you add the element that most wool growers are, I feel, underappreciated. They don't know how good they are. And of course, I feel like I feel like they just need a really good PR agent. Uh, so so it's it's absolutely having its moment right now in regards to sustainability. Um, uh, once again, it, it needs um, uh, reinforcement of its many fine qualities uh, because I think, you know, Peter uh, damn near killed it um, from misinformation. Um, and and I, I just love to sing its praises. Um, and I, I have found a very receptive audience. So for me, I have always felt like a square peg in a round hole um, moving to the farm. My mother-in-law is very capable um, used to do um, everything, used to cook for the shearers, used to help my husband with everything and, and, and basically sort of stepped aside, I suppose, when, uh, when, the, when the daughter-in-law arrived. Da, na, na, na. <laughs> and I, I just constantly wondered how can I contribute because it sure as hell was not with my cooking. And I saw a story on Landline about Australian wool and it was this is, this is quite a few years ago, and it was the most boring story you've ever seen. And I ended up calling AWI, Australian Wool Innovations, on the Monday. And uh, I said, is there any way I can help? Is it Put me to work. Is there anything that I can do? And I ended up becoming an ambassador for AWI and, and in turn Australian Wool. And I find now, gosh, I've taken to it like a like a duck to water, and and any opportunity I'm wearing, um, Iris and Wool right now, who I met through um, hosting the Jamestown show. Um, of course, you 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 know Iris and Wool well. I I I find that even though I may feel inept in some ways, 
on the farm, there are so many other ways that I can contribute and in turn help my uh, my my husband's business and 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 wool growers and the Australian economy eco- economy in turn. You just got to keep talking. I'm interested to know within like your audience and your circles, which is so vastly different from uh, the normal agricultural circles. How is wool mm. received and what do they, what kind of conversations do you have to have with them to educate them? Very gentle, authentic uh, conversations and chats and being open to sharing my life and understanding that what my husband considers normal and day-to-day is fascinating mm. to many others and I have found that by talking to people um, one-on-one and explaining the process is not only enjoyable for me, but uh, people are incredibly receptive too. I touched on the fact about Peter before, and that came about from misinformation. Okay, take it on board. Let's let's write that wrong. And, and one of the best ways to do that in my case is through visual uh, communication and Something that has been uh, serendipitous for me is that through lockdown, what am I going to do via my Instagram and social media? I suppose where I used to just share stories of my travels, now I was sharing stories of my life. For the first time ever, I was able to care for potty lambs. These took on uh, just I cannot tell you how much people adored this entire process and I took people through the entire process. Some people asked me, isn't that cruel that the the ewes are giving birth in winter? Um, the, my husband's form of romance is he joins the rams on a specific day, the rams and ewes on a specific day, so that on my birthday, July 19, we receive our first lambs. <laughs> That's, that's what he thinks is romantic and I adore it. Yeah. Um, so people didn't understand why you're doing that. And I very happily explained it's actually um, out of kindness because when it's the cooler weather, um, the, the sheep gather together, um, they, uh, the mothers then care for um, their lambs as opposed to, to giving birth when it's warmer and they disperse. Tiny little details like that. And the response is, oh, thanks. Thanks for letting me know. I didn't know that. And people have taken um, the livestock and the life to heart. They've completely taken it on board to the point that even though the lambs have respectfully lost their cuteness and 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 they're, gosh, nearly a year old now, people still want to check in with them, how they're going. I take them into shearing. Um, uh, well, okay, we, we, we were preparing to join the rams and ewes, and I just called that um, uh, this is sheep tinder. And so we brought them into the beauty parlour and I showed everybody this. We brought them into the beauty parlour, the, the shearing shed, and we um, we were crutching um, and so basically we, we were trimming things. So just, you know, a little, little haircut here, little little neatness down there. <laughs> and, um, and, then, and then we released the rams. And people love it. They love it. So I gather, don't overthink things. 
and and have a little sense of humor as well. Don't be too precious. And you'll be amazed by the response you find. What kind of work did you do with AWI as its ambassador? Everything. Oh, my gosh. Um, uh, My request was send me out, send me out. Uh, There is nobody that I can't talk to and also you would be amazed by how passionate many farmers are about traveling. That's that's their, pardon the bun, that's their escape. So I could just converse with anyone everywhere. And so the first things that they got me to do was they literally sent me out to Condo, a sheep show in um, Condoblin. Uh, I asked every stupid question. And why have you given them that haircut? Oh, well, it's not quite a haircut, Katrina. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I found I've got... I have quite a gifts guy. I I think I'm asking a stupid question, but it happens to be the thing that's on other people's minds, but they don't quite have the courage yeah, to ask because they might blush. And, and so they started sending me out and I would just share my story. Amazingly, I was always embarrassed by my story and how inept I was. And what I found when I shared my story, people were like, that's me. That's me. Mm. I, I, I've screwed up cooking for the shearers. Um, I, mm. I'm challenged by my mother-in-law. Yeah. Um, I don't understand why people don't turn their, their gardens into a slice of Provence. Um, so many people share your stories, so you just, you just have to talk. So uh, I've done that. I also hosted the International Wool Conference with the Zenia family. Um, just, just put me out there. Just put me out there. Uh, I I also have this incredible platform where I get to wear wool on a daily basis. I get to um, I get to to show it in motion. Uh, so I, I I fly the flag in a whole variation of ways that I know are not traditional, but who cares? Tell me about yes, wool in a fashion sense and what what you love about the wearability of it. Just a reminder, the appreciation for Australian wool on an international level, of course we have our our Woolmark Fashion Prize and and where you have everyone, uh, off the top of my mind is Karl Lagerfeld, Yves Saint Laurent, um, uh, who have won that prize right through to Anna Wintour, the most influential person in world fashion who who knows the beauty of of wool you, you need to talk about those stories because that is something that that the wool grower who is out there working their ass off um, needs to be reminded of of how valued they are uh, cut through to the technology that's being applied with thanks to to, to programs like AWI with their R&D, research and, and development, where you can have Adidas who make their uh, running shoes out of wool. But wool is used in every facet of our lives, whether it's, um, you know, the rug that I have uh, on the end of my bed, the carpet, the inner lining of a lounge, um, the socks that I'm wearing. It, 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 is, it is the fabric of our lives and as I say, it's it's experiencing a zeitgeist moment right now as people are looking towards sustainable fashion and they want to know the love that has gone into the socks that they're wearing. And I love being able to, to show that side 
of the production of wool that I think some people have been scared off revealing as well. Um, the dirty side, um, um, you know, uh, you know what, what is happening out in the paddocks. People, people love to connect. They love that traceability. Um, and and, and I, I find that, that people are open uh, to learning. And there is also an incredible sense of pride that the average person has for, for our primary producers in general. And do you see on that platform that um, networks and media in general are more hungry for um, those kind of stories now than they were 10 years ago, five years ago? It's insane. Uh, I am a headless chook. Uh, <laughs> I, am, I am back to being so busy, sadly, not travelling the world as yet. But what happened Obviously, we all are experiencing what's happening around Australia where we've had drought. And I mentioned my cousins in Walgut were, were hit terribly by that. Um, we then had bushfires and then we had COVID. And within myself, I vowed to do whatever I could to help our regionals. I thought it would possibly be some way of doing it with getaway. I received a completely out-of-the-blue phone call from my agent. So we're looking for someone to host a show that will help people find their dream home in the country, Country House Hunters. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows the concept of House Hunters International that's, that's sold around the world. They know the concept of Escape to the Country. This is something that's been around, as, as you mentioned, for years and years and years. I just said to my agent, don't talk to anybody else. Tell them don't talk to anybody else. And I, I, I'm, li I'm the living, breathing version of this. So yeah. I'm going to host it and that's all there is to it. And who knew that a concept that's been around for ages, I was hired to host a little show for Nine Life, our, our Channel Nine lifestyle channel. Who knew that it would be experiencing this moment where people around the world are obsessed with moving to our regionals, are obsessed with vacating the city and moving to the country. And so I found myself in this incredible position where I'm able to promote our regionals. I wear wool every time I'm on camera in, in some form or another. Um, and, and, and as I say, it's this zeitgeist, zeitgeist moment where just touching on your question, it, this is a concept that's been around for years, but mm. nine are like, we need more, we need more. I hadn't even finished. I've only just finished filming the first series. It's already been sold overseas, huge in Korea, um, and uh, they're already talking about series three. And, and behind the scenes, it is so hard. I am sure that you can understand this because I still have two little boys. I'm still doing school drop-offs. Um, they are really busy with sport. Uh, I have to do everything myself. It has been run on the smell of an oily rag. So let's just not let's not just make sure you understand there is nothing glamorous about it. Uh, but but I'm committed to doing it, and it's just a moment. It's just a moment in our time where. Um, we're able to make people's dreams come true, but also people people just are really responding to the lifestyle. Mm, the response, isn't it? It's so, so wonderfully exciting. Mm. Um, 
you mentioned your boys. So are you in primary production and you live on a farm? Tell me about, yeah, what your hopes are for them. Are you keen for them to be able to get into it when they get a bit older? Oh, (laughs) (laughs) no, I probably have the same outlook as my parents, as long as you're happy. I have definitely learned the concept that none of us know what tomorrow will bring. So embrace today, make the most of today. My, my children's goals change rapidly according to their age. My youngest son wanted to be a paleontologist because he was obsessed with dinosaurs. Uh, now he wants to study Telstra because he just loves phones. And so he thinks he just wants to go, he just wants to work at Telstra where he can sell phones because he knows everything about a phone. Um, Andrew, my oldest, wants to be, I'm going to be a sock star, mum. I'm just going to be a soccer star. You know, so it's neat. They're like, they, they're very, these, I gather this is what people right around the world are experiencing uh, with, with their children. I, I, of course, want them to uh, be well-mannered and respectful. Another concept that we're, we're all going through right now, we talk openly about that, and I actually am an ambassador for that as well. However, um, yeah, I, well, I didn't put anything on them they don't have to do anything just be happy well it's been such a treat to have met you through the process of this podcast I feel so lucky and I thank you for all the work that you do to um, promote on screen and also behind the scenes of uh, the life of agriculture and also wool Thank you very much, Sky. Now, I will also just say <laughs> that I've been delighted to talk to you because I listen to your podcasts all the time. So it's great to put a face to your beautiful <laughs> voice. You have such a gift because a lot of people think that they can do podcasts, but it is actually an innate talent that not many people have. So you have such a curious mind and you always are inquisitive you thankfully do not reveal too much about yourself because that's the art of interviewing you're meant to be interested in another person's views so all credit to you i'm thrilled that i can see your little office at home where you and i are both doing exactly the same thing but on different levels and just you know bringing it back to what you what you say is that we can all contribute in our own different unique and remarkable ways and and you'll you'll find your your conduit somehow and 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 be amazed by how appreciated it can be in all its various forms thank you thank you for that (laughs) thank you for listening to the women behind wall podcast if you like what we're doing here please help us to spread the love for wool you can share this episode on your instagram stories and if you subscribe to itunes A fresh episode will be waiting for you each Monday morning. Our website is womenbehindwall.com.au.
Thank you for listening to the Women Behind Wool podcast. If you like what we're doing here, please help us to spread the love for wool. You can share this episode on your Instagram stories. And if you subscribe to iTunes, a fresh episode will be waiting for you each Monday morning. Our website is womenbehindwool.com.au. 